Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame I love that old cross Sing it now. For a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies these at last I lay down. I will clean cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Aren't you thankful for the cross tonight? Amen. One of these days when we make it to the other side, we're going to take the crowns that he's given us. Paul said he's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. We're all going to kneel at him and say only one is worthy of the crown. And we're going to throw our crowns at his feet and say worthy is the lamb. I'm as glad Jesus died for all of us, everything we am. The apostle Paul said, I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. I mean, no, he didn't bring bring us this far to leave us. Oh, he hasn't brought us this far. God's not surprised with everything that is going on. I say to everyone in the room that 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 the Psalms 23 poem that we read so often at funeral gravesides was really written for those that are alive. For the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Amen. He he maketh me to lie down in. He leadeth me beside. Oh, yes, he restoreth my. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We talk about that the scripture tells us we, uh, we understand that the way of the transgressor is hard. How many know the way of the sinner, the transgressor is hard? It's right. I've had a, back, a lot of backsliders that told me I should have never left God and should have never left the church. The way of the transgressors is hard. But what about the way of the righteous? He leadeth us in the paths of the righteous. And the next thing it says, And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sometimes when he's leading us, it doesn't always meet our expectation where it seems that he's taken us. 
It's a valley of the shadow of death. I realize 2020 has been challenging, but he didn't lead us to the valley. He's going to lead us through the valley. Amen. Somebody shout, we're coming out of this. How many believe we're coming out of this? Amen. That trial's not here to stay. Amen. It's going to come to pass. Somebody say amen. I do believe that where we are is right now where we need to be as a body. The body of Christ, the North American part of that, the North American church, I realize the challenges up on our day. Politically, a cultural war, dealing with uh, a, a pandemic, where it is. But the church is still the church. How many believe the church was made to thrive in opposition? Oh, stand your feet and clap your hands and thank God for his word. He leads us. That's all right. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God tonight. It really is. It's exciting. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses out of this chapter, if you would. It's interesting in Scripture they would stand for the reading of the Word. And, and one place in the Scripture they stood all day to hear the Word. How many remember that? I'm not going to make you stand all night. How about it? Every now and then I make you stand longer than probably what I should. 1 Timothy 4 and 1. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times. Do you believe we live in the latter times? This was written nearly 2,000 years ago. And he's saying the latter times, some shut apart from the faith. It's sad, but it's true. Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We would call that uh, right now the, the son of perdition, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the spirit of the Antichrist. The, the Bible says the, the mystery of iniquity, iniquity doth already work. All these riots, all these anti-God um, statements, anti-Bible, get the Ten Commandments out. All this push is a doctrine of the devil. And I realize we're at the threshold of an election. I'm going to vote Bible over personality and cultural pushes. We're going to vote Bible. We vote convictions. It's our opportunity. It's our right. Can you say amen? I'm not going to stay on politics. Don't worry, but it makes everybody nervous. But you, you need to be prayerful. Amen. How I many know we need to be prayerful about that? And so you begin to look in here, and he said doctrines of devils. And I believe it leaks out of Hollywood constantly. Doctrines of devils. Years and years of indoctrinating through entertainment. But it goes on and says, it says, speaking lies and hypocrisy and Scary, the next, ver next statement says, and having their conscience seared. They don't even know. They can't even feel conviction any longer. My God, we need conviction. It ought to bother us to lie. It ought to bother you to have cuss words come out of your mouth. Attitudes toward people, unforgiveness. Can you say amen? Some thoughts that you have. It ought to have conviction. He said, but they had their conscience seared with a hot iron it goes on, and, and I'm going to skip on down, but he deals with some things here in, in the theme of this and, and talking about godliness is, is, is godliness and, and things of that nature. But he gets down to verse 11. He said, these things command and teach. 
And he said, verse 12, and I've loved this verse since I was a teenage young man. I preached my first message when I was 11. But he, I love this verse because I felt like it spoke to me as he did Timothy. Let no man despise thy youth. Don't, be, don't let anybody intimidate you because you, you're younger than what they expect you to be. He, he went on and says, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in, in spirit, in faith, in purity, the life you live. He said, we, I like what he was saying, and, uh, and we have a great emphasis on young people here. We do. Can you say amen to that? Paul believed that the reputation of the whole body could be entrusted in one young man by the name of Timothy. Tell me if that's not faith in the next generation. Amen. And he says, uh, um, he, he goes on and says, till I come, he said, until I get there, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. He was saying, stay in the word. He goes on to say, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, by prophecy, with a laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Talking about the, the Holy Ghost. Verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. What? The word of God, the things of, of the word, that thy profiting may appear to all. He said everybody ought to see your progress. In him. Take heed unto thyself. Everybody say, look at yourself. And unto the doctrine or the teaching of the word. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. He said it's not just supposed to save you. There's people watching you, and it's to save them as well. I'd like to teach you for the next few moments on simply reaching your circle. Would you lay your Bibles down? The Bible said lift your heart with your hands. Would you do that and just open yourself to the Lord and say, God, I, I want to I hear your word tonight. I want to hear what you're telling us. I, I really do. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We want to know your word. We want to love your word. Hallelujah. God, let us hear what you're saying to us in this end time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. You may be seated. Just before service, the Barton family and myself, we do a Bible study on Wednesday nights and have for, I guess, over a year now. And I so look forward to it and enjoy it. And amazing watching them grow in the Lord. They're such an asset and a blessing uh, in the kingdom of God. But... Um, I was telling them, you were talking about interpretation of Scripture. I had a teacher when I was in high school. I was a sophomore, and uh, she was my uh, geometry teacher. And uh, um, wasn't my favorite class, but I'll never forget one thing she said, and it had nothing to do with geometry. And uh, she said, well, it really doesn't matter how you interpret the Scripture. Just as you interpret the way you want that to be interpreted. And I thought to myself when I was 15, she's wrong. You can't twist scripture to match what you want it to be. My lands. When the Bible says, he that loveth is of God, you can really take that out of context. That's right. You can, you can take all kinds of verses out of context. I do believe that every verse can be interpreted by what the scripture was saying as a whole. You could take one verse by itself and interpret it a certain way and, 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 and just one portion not get the whole context of the scripture. Can you say amen to that? I was telling them, I was laughing. I said, I could imagine that Sawyer, when he was six years old, he could have had all kinds of interpretations of scripture. I remember we were driving to Arkansas and, and I went to see Brother and Sister Ferris. And I saw her was six and Julian was four. And just that we're pulling up the driveway. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, Sawyer's 
uh, or Jillian spilt water on Sawyer and, uh, and oh, 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 I heard him in the back seat. Oh, oh my goodness. He was, he was six years old, about that tall. And I, I turned around and said, what's wrong? He said, Jillian spilled water on me. He's upset about it, you know. And I said, it's okay. We'll get you dried up in a minute. As soon as we pull up here and get out of the car, I'll get you dried up. Soon as we are, oh, I mean, open the door, I heard her scream the only way a little girl can scream. And I turn around and, Jillian, what's wrong? Sawyer spilled water on me. I snapped my head as a dad would and I said, what did you do that for? He said, the Bible says, do unto others as they do unto you. We're thankful for Sawyer's conversion and that he has given his life to the Lord. He'd be a false prophet if not, not the case. <laughs> Interpretation of Scripture. We, we got to fall in love with the Word. And what Paul was saying to Timothy, and he even addressed him in 2 Timothy, which was Paul's last writings before he died. And he said, he said preach the Word. He said, there are going to be, and he, and, he, and he told him, he said, preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, in chapter 4, 2 Timothy he said, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And I do believe that we need reproved as individuals. I do believe some of us need rebuked every now and then. How many ever been rebuked by the Word of God? Oh, you were out of line and God's Word spoke to you and you knew you needed to straighten up and be a better husband and a better wife and a better father, a better mother, a better saint, a better co-worker. Need to, need to get up and do something. All of us have been reproved by His Word. The Bible says that the man of God can become perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I know I'm in agreement with everyone in the building right now that you would sincerely say, his word has changed my life. I am not what I used to be. I'm a better man. I'm a better lady because of his word. Amen. We are Christians, are we not? That means we are striving to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. I want the demeanor that he had, the love that he had, the mercy that he had. I want to be like the Lord. I do. I want to be an example of him. I do. I want God to look out of heaven and we as a body, individually, in, in, in the public venue and the privacy of our home because in the truth of the matter is who you are when you're alone is really who you are. But in the privacy of our home, I want God to be proud and see his reflection in our lives. And you cannot get there without his word. And so Paul is teaching Timothy in 1 Timothy when he is addressing him, when he is addressing him about his life. And he is saying to him, it's, it's not always going to be easy. Even in 2 Timothy, he's saying that they're going to be, in that day, they're going to be people that will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. There's going to be people that do not want to listen to what you're saying because they want somebody to tell them they're doing good about their sin. Amen. God forbid we'd be a sinner. Somebody come and say, you're okay. To stand before God and be lost and judged. I don't want that to happen. 
The Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God. We need to have the word preached so strong that when a sinner comes in, they don't feel feel condemned, but they feel exposed before God that they can say, oh God, I'm a sinner. I don't want to be a sinner any longer. Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. I want everything about me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Is there anybody in the building that says, I want to be acceptable to God. I want him to be pleased with me. Amen. The Bible tells us that Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. I want to please him in everything I do, every decision that I make. And, and I know you're, you're in, you're in, uh, you would agree with me on that today. And so he tells Timothy, he said, Timothy, he said, understand this, that don't, don't let anybody despise your youth. You're not too young to do something great. You're not too young to be valuable in the kingdom. We establish here at a very young age an involvement in the kingdom of God, every, everything from prayer, everything from devotion. I'm talking about I was paying my tithes at three years old. I was. I, my, my dad taught me all the way up just, just to be faithful to the house of God. We worked and cleaned and helped. And at uh, the Anchor Church, we believe that. We believe that young people matter. And I, I think if you tell a young person they don't, they don't matter until they're an adult, they're going to check out when they're 18. But they're here, they're learning to play instruments and they're learning to be involved. And we, we've got young people, even young children that teach Bible studies and to, to, to peers. They go to their high schools. Those that are, go to the public school, they go there and they have Bible study in the high schools and pray with the teachers. I think it's amazing. I've never seen such a, a young generation that feels so purpose involved. You know, when they get turned 18, they want their career to be wrapped around what God wants them to do. Isn't that the way it should be? Can you say amen? And so Paul was addressing this to him, and we as a body believe that here, that that we're we're not going to despise someone because they're too young. But he said, but be thou an example. You see, young people will live up to the expectations you put up on them. That's right. I'm I'm addressing this because I'm I'm going to get to you adults here in a minute. But you you, you put these expectations upon them. And... uh, and he said, he, said to, he said to Timothy, he said, I, I want you to be an example. I want you to be an example of, of the believers. You are one of us. And everywhere you go, Timothy, I want you to realize that you are an example to everybody around you of what we believe as Christians. I think that's a profound uh, expectation to put upon a young generation. And it goes on and, and explains how. He said, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit. What, what does this mean? What you say, your behavior. Are you all with me tonight? He's saying, Timothy, he said, what you say matters. Your your conversation, your behavior matters. Uh, How about this one? Uh, In charity, how you love, how you give, charity. You can be charitable in your youth. Be a giver, be a servant, help people. Then it goes and says in spirit, what does that mean? That means attitude and 
And uh, how you handle response and obedience and things not going right. Your response to that. Be an example in your spirit and how you respond. How about this in faith? I think it's awesome. Uh, and I, I, Whitney just checked out, but she went, took the baby out and uh, William Wallace, she took him out. But when she was 12 years old, the preacher would preach. She had such faith. She would respond to that even as 12 years old. Respond in faith. Your kids ought to be able to respond. Say, you know, I'm believing with you, mom and dad, that God's going to heal grandma. I'm believing that God is going is, is, is to touch Brother Stalling. I'm praying. Go in their bedroom and hear him praying. Why? Because they believe in young age. My dad would have me to pray for him when I was just a young man. Eight year, I was eight years old. He had pneumonia. He, he went over. My mother went out to get him medicine. He said, Aaron, come here. I want you to pray. And he said, I want you to come and, and uh, lay hands on me. And he did. He said, pray for me. And I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, I changed his washcloth because he had a fever. He'd been out in a snowstorm. And uh, changed his, 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 his washcloth 30 times by the time my mother got back from the store. And uh, prayed for him. It put something in me for him to say, lay hands on me and pray for me. For whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord. And I thought at eight years old, man, my dad believes in me. I want us as parents to let our children know we believe in their prayers. Come on, we believe in grandma's prayers, but we believe in your prayers. Amen. Little seven or eight-year-old kid coming in and asking me to pray for their cat. Oh, I've over the years, I've will you will you pray for my cat? Will you pray? I got on my knees when I was nine, I think, I think I was about ten years old. Prayed for my dog, got hit by a car. Man, I prayed and sought God for that. I was taught that God cared about what I care about. Do you believe that? And so when I'm talking to you about young people and what he's telling Timothy, he's saying, I want you to be an example in faith. And I want you to be an example in purity. I don't care what culture says. Our young people can remain pure. I believe that. Come on. We still teach abstinence. We still teach that fornication is sin. Come on. Adultery is sin. We've, we've got to. And you know what? When you teach them and tell them why it's wrong. And here they are. We're living in a culture where they, and I realize our young people out here, I'm just going to be blunt right here, but we're living in a culture where they are handing these things out. They're handing out contraceptives in schools, and they're encouraging this. Uh, and You know, it makes me sick of my stomach because that's not the doctrine of God. That's a doctrine of the devil. Our young people need to hear about purity and righteousness, and you can be married a virgin. Amen. Do you believe that? Come on. you believe? I don't care how dark the world's getting. Amen. The church has always been the light of righteousness and holiness and purity. Amen. Amen, amen. And I realize not everyone I'm going to do a wedding for is going to be able to say that they're a virgin. And I understand that. And we believe in the mercy and the grace of God. And we understand the generation. But we are seeing people in 2020 that are pure when they, when they, when they walk down the aisle. And I think we want to thank God for that because that's because of his word. That's young people embracing convictions because of his word. Can you say Amen. And so, Timothy, we have a lot of confidence in you that you are going to be an example of purity. Everybody say an example. He said, now listen, till I come, he said, until I come, until I return, he said, I want you to give attendance to reading. 
Now, I, I have expectations that you're going to stay in the Word. Don't, don't wait on the preacher to come to teach you everything you need to know. You have the ability to read. You need to stay in the Word. You should have personal devotion in your life. Do you believe that? We should have. You shouldn't just listen to everything the pastor says on Sunday and Wednesday. You ought to have a personal relationship with God. Let God speak to you. Let him speak to you through, through your word. One of the things I've loved about my dad all of these years, most mornings I could talk to him, he's either reading his Bible or he just got finished reading his Bible my whole life. He'd, have, he'd, read, he'd read the Bible through several times a year and he lived it. He didn't just read it, he obeyed it. And uh, still today, all of those times that he's read, he's still reading the Bible. You know why? Because he taught me, as I believe all of us agree, the Bible is something that's ever alive. It's like a mighty, it's like a large ocean. And when you read it, you ought to put your scuba diving gear and jump off the side of your bed or off the side of your chair, jump down into the ocean of God's Word, get out there and discover all of the wisdom and all the grace and all the knowledge and all the things that will bless you, your family, your children. Come on, if you say you've read it once and you got all, you've missed it. There's a lot of great things in there that matches the different days and the stages of my life. Hey, I'm going to hone in there for a minute. I'm going to tell you, I believe God can give us a daily word, a specific word. I don't, read the, I don't get the same out of the word now that I did when I was 15 as I do now that I'm 42. For several reasons. Now I'm married and I've got four children and I've got a senior this year. How in the world is Lakin going to graduate? She's a senior. And I read it from a different perspective, but God's word gives me life. I want to say to the anchor, we ought to fall in love with God's word more than ever before. We need his word. The darker the night, we need his word. Amen. A cultural war, we need his word. Don't you lean towards CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, and every news channel out there. You've got to get in his word. Quit listening to social media and get in his word. You've got to get his word to know what God is saying to the church. I'm moved tonight. We need a move of God's word in our life. It's all that really matters. Heaven and earth will pass away. But he said, my words will not pass away. Come on, forever, O oh Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. Anybody in the building love the word of God? I know it's Wednesday night Bible study, but I'm passionate about this. We've got to love his word. Amen. One of the greatest treats I have as a father is at night I can hear my children praying beside their beds. I love that. Or they tell me what they're reading in their devotion time. It moves me. Because when God saved me, I got Sister Esther, I got a love for his word. I did. I'd read it every night. Love his word. Can you say amen? Let's go on. He said, he, he goes on and says, you give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. He said, you've got you've to stay in it. You need to study it. Be a student of it. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. What? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. All those people watching tonight that you couldn't be here because of restrictions and things. We're so glad you tuned in tonight. I understand. I really do. I understand you're being safe. 
maybe couldn't come, maybe couldn't travel the distance, and people from across the nation that could be watching tonight in other states, we welcome you to the anchor tonight. We're so glad you tuned in. We pray that God blesses you. Aren't we glad for our online? Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I'm, I, let me just say, there are people that are coming to the Lord because of live stream. They are. There's people coming back to God because of live stream. I hope they can feel what I feel. I feel the peace of God here tonight. There's a beautiful touch of the Lord. He goes on and he says, till I come. And I'm going to say this, until Jesus comes. We've got to stay in his word. For every single person said, I don't have time for devotion. I've worked too much. I've got all this stuff. I've got all these kids, all this stuff. When you got quarantined and you couldn't find devotion, you just told on yourself. Couldn't go anywhere for weeks. Couldn't, didn't read your Bible. Spent a lot of time. Boy, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm getting on you. I am. All the time for media, everything, for time for everything else but his word means you don't love his word like you should. Go back. Turn every, I'm going to tell you what you do. If you're not reading your Bible the way you should, you're not praying like you should, turn everything off. You know what happened? Fast a couple days. You'll find yourself back in the book. You'll find yourself on your knees with tears running on your face as you're thinking about the salvation that God has given you. I don't want to ever get the way King David did. He, got just, he just got used to the blessing of God. Found himself until he messed up and God's judgment was coming against him. God sent him a prophet. You'll find in 2 Samuel chapter 11 when David messed up, made a mistake, would have never want to get there. That David ends up repenting and he says, Oh God, created me a clean heart. Renew unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know what? When we don't have the joy that God saved us, we won't have any need for his word. But if we stay excited about God saving us, how many are thankful that God saved you? I want the joy, the joy, the joy of his salvation in my life. He goes on and says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by what? given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. I want everybody to say, people are watching you. If you would for a moment, I want you to turn to Psalms, Psalms 50, Psalms 51. This is David's prayer that he prayed after he had sinned and created a, 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 true, a great mistake. David acknowledges sin, he repents, but David makes this statement that is powerful. I, I alluded to some of it for a moment. But verse 10, Psalms 51 and 10, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. And he said, um, He said, Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Somebody say amen. Verse 12, are you ready? Restore. Everybody say, Restore. Unto me the joy of thy salvation. Everybody say that. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I remember, I remember when I was a I was probably in, in, in mid to late teens. Some of my brother's peers came and were delivered of alcohol, life of trouble, fighting. My brother, when God saved my brother, God so stirred on my brother that it impacted his circle. Really did. My brother had been in church all of his life, but there was a tremendous conversion that he had around age 23. 
It was very, very powerful. So there's a difference in going to church and having a conversion. If you don't believe that, study Simon Peter, and you'll find that when he walked with the Lord as a disciple, he was not converted. Because Jesus looked at him and said, when thou art converted. Because as soon as Jesus got at a distance, he followed the Lord fall off, far off. What did, Jesus, what did Simon Peter do? He sat, on, sat down among them that cried crucified. He denied the Lord three times. He wasn't, he wasn't converted at that point. Did Jesus choose him? Did Jesus see the weakness in his spirit? Did Jesus tell him he would deny him? Yes. And I'm saying to you that, that my brother was around church and had great experiences, but there was a powerful conversion that happened to my brother at age 23. So much so that the next day that when he went to work, the boss, co-workers gathered around him and said, David, my goodness, what happened to you? They could feel change. He didn't go in preaching, telling everybody they were going to hell. He just went in. He just went into that circle and went in every day, and they could see a difference in him. Remember when Jesus said, first message ever preached, I was, five, I was 11 years old, John 5, 14, he said, you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill that can't be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a, but on a candlestick so everybody in the house can see it. You see, God intended for your life to be the light of the people in your house or in your circle. Everybody shout, there's a light in me. What is that light? That light is what? It's Christ in me. The Bible says in John chapter 1, and in him was life and the light was the light of men. Everybody say, Jesus is the light. So when I'm seeking to be like him, his light shines through me that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. And when my brother went to work, they could see a change in him. And they gathered around him weeping and crying. David, would you pray for us? We see something in you. And he, took, went, he went fishing with his buddies. And one of those friends, one of those friends he went fishing with, while they were standing at the bank on the, on the river, his, brother got so con, his friend got so convicted he fell to his knees and repented right there. Somebody he had known for years could feel that, could see the light and feel the touch of God in my brother's life and my brother led him to the Lord. I remember when those young men, those young adults I should say, in their early 20s when they came to God, they, they couldn't get enough of church. They had the joy of what? Somebody shout, of thy salvation. Brother Sharp, they were so excited to be in church. They jumped up and clapped their hands and shouted amen. There was too long between Sunday and Wednesday night. They would say, are there any other church services we could go to? We just want to be. They were so glad to be free, so glad to be saved, so glad to be delivered. Amen. I don't want to ever lose that is what I'm trying to say. I coined a term back then. It's new convertism. I want to be 75 and still have the joy of a new convert. Amen. That has been set free and delivered. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to become like David. Just glad to show up. I want to have a joy of the Lord. Somebody shout the joy of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, don't lose the joy. Amen. Amen. He said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Notice verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And what? Sinners shall be converted unto thee. He said, how am I going to teach sinners and there be conversions if I'm not converted, if I'm not right? Let me get right first. And that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. He said, he said, Timothy, 
Be an example. Give attendance to it. Be pure. Watch your conversation. Make sure that what you're saying is biblical. What you're saying is like Christ. Because you have a circle around you. That's what He said that thy profiting may appear to all. What was he saying? Everybody that you're around is watching every move you're making. And I, how many know the Bible tells us that, that, that our lives are the epistles that are read of all men. I've seen people that could preach it, but they didn't live it. There's a difference between just saying it and living it. Your life is the light <laughs> that gives hope to people around you. I pray that every saint in this building, that your coworkers want what you have. I pray every family member in this room, that your family, they want what you have. How many know we have something worth wanting? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Praise God. Amen. You know what I've learned? I've learned if you want your cattle to retain some water, you know how you make them thirsty? You put salt out. And when they lick the salt, it causes them to want water. And the Bible says that you're the salt of the earth. How many know that? And if the salt loses its savor, it's of no good. I don't want to have, I don't want to lose my saltiness of my salvation. Here's the point, is when people are around you, it should make them thirsty for what you have. History tells us, and some, I don't know how they know it, but theological uh, uh, history would tell us that, that Paul, when he was put in prison, you, have you heard this, Brother Mealy? That they had to change his guards out every 15 minutes. They had to change his guards every 15 minutes. You know why? Because he would convert them. He was that, uh, lack of a better word, infectious with his faith. Impacting with his faith. My lands, I wish we'd be, in, be as infectious and spread as bad as COVID does. Hey Amen. It's a problem. We've been a Christian for 20 years and nobody's ever been infected by it. Come on, I'm telling you, Anchor Church, we've got to become so full of faith, so full of love, so full of God that people around us are moved by it. How many believe faith is supposed to spread? It's supposed to spread. That's right. My dad would go on jobs. My dad would go on jobs and, and he would wait till lunchtime and sometimes he'd read his Bible and sometimes he'd witness. And uh, he would be at the lunch job and uh, there back in the coal mines and, uh, in West Virginia. And he would start witnessing. He would say he would have friends. And he would start telling them, should have been in church last night. Man, it was powerful. I, I saw somebody healed. Their back was healed or cancer was healed. And, and I remember growing up in church, there was a whole room. My uncle was the pastor. These were people that I knew personally. But when they come in with canes and walkers and crutches and sickness and tumors, when they would come in and the power of God would move over the faith of the people, and they were instantly healed. I was one of those people that they brought in. I was crippled like this. And on a Wednesday night, they prayed for me and anointed me in the name of the Lord like James 5.14. And those crippled feet straightened right up. I never had to wear those braces the doctor ordered for me because there's a God. He said, by your stripes, amen, by, my, by his stripes you are healed. I believe that is still in effect in 2020. There's no sickness too big for God. What Jesus did at Calvary, he can still take care of today. He's able to. Do you believe God is able? Woo, I said he's able. 
Amen, amen, amen. Honey, I watch you walk up and down these halls and you're teaching and you're helping and you're leading. And I watch how you love our children. But when you were in that car wreck, they never thought for one day you could do what you do. But by the glory and the grace of God, the mercy of the Lord, healing that nerve that they say can never, never be maintained. I'm telling you, God is able. Somebody shout, God is able. Hey, I don't want to become, we've seen so many miracles in this building, people we know, cancers healed. We've seen the dead raised, have we not? Come on, am I telling the truth? Blotted eyes open, tumors disappear, people canceled surgeries because when God moved upon them, they were healed. Doctors walk in and said, who did your surgery? Stick the scope down and come back out and say, who did your surgery? I didn't have surgery. Well, somebody did. I can see fresh tissue where that tumor is gone. I'm telling you, God's not dead. He's as close as the mere mention of his name. I know it's Bible study night, but I feel like preaching just for a minute. I've got faith on the inside, and he's able. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what? You know what? We don't need just some story from past history. We need a present day revelation of his word. When the crack cocaine addict walked in this church and they were hopeless and they, they had given up and they were ready to throw in the towel. I'm so glad that faith was preaching that 22-year crack cocaine addiction was delivered. Now they're a missionary in Guatemala. I'm telling you, God is able. Do you believe? How many have ever been healed by the hand of God? would just say amen Timothy preach the word be an example in spirit I believe that means exuberant as well exuberant I'm not saying everybody has to act like me what I am saying there ought to be an element of enthusiasm about our faith I'll never forget the man who walked in church in West Virginia where my dad pastored my dad was a man of faith people would drive down the road and stop and have him to pray word got out that man believes God can heal. They would be healed right there, right there in the middle of the day. God would heal them, miraculously be healed. Not by the power of a man. For no flesh, 1 Corinthians 1, should glory in his presence. No flesh. We are nothing. I am nothing. Paul said, I am what I am because of Jesus Christ. In me is no good thing. But when I get him on the inside, he makes me want to live righteous and help people and pray for people. Come on, if we say we pray for people, can we not expect great things to come out of the prayers for those people? I remember a man stood up in the back. back. I remember a man stood up in the back row. Service was so powerful, saltiness all over the building. You can just tell people were enthused about being saved, friendly and happy and singing old songs and crying and singing new songs with smiling and the move of God in the building. People could feel the touch of God. I'll never forget when I was just a young teenager. He jumped up, just a strain, never been to church before. He jumped up and he said, I don't know what you people have, but I want everything you people got. He ran up there to the front of the church and threw his nicotine down the altar and repented. He did. Nobody told him he had to do that. He felt compelled that God could change things in his life that had him bound. And I'm talking about tonight reaching your circle. You getting this? When we get the joy of thy salvation, when we get things where we need to be, instead of I'm just going to hold on to Jesus comes. You don't need to hold on to Jesus comes. You need to reach everybody you can before he comes. Come on, do you still believe this? If they don't know the Lord, they're lost for eternity. 
It ought to move us that people are lost. The Bible says if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And so he says to Timothy, back 1 Timothy 4 and 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy property may appear to all. Everybody say, somebody's watching me. He said, take heed unto thyself. It's easy to judge others and not yourself. And unto the doctrine. He said, continue in them. For in continuing in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both what? Save thyself and them that hear thee. Everybody say this with me. There's a next in my circle. God never came just to save you. There's a next in your circle that he wants to save. How many believe that? I'm so glad to tell you a great story. You're going to be very, very happy with what I'm going to tell you. Our neighbor, Brandon, that lives the closest house to us right here, he and I have been tremendous friends ever since he moved in that house. Brandon's a, a war veteran from Iraq. He's 38 years old. He was blown up. They, he, he, got, he got blown up in a, in a, in, while he was in Iraq. A wall fell on him, crushed him. He was buried alive under the rubble of a wall. A Humvee from the wall where he was standing, 100 feet away, it, the, 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 the explosion was so great, it flipped that Humvee. Killed, I guess, several people that was there. When they found Brandon, his boot was sticking out of the rubble and it was on fire. And that's how they found him. They pulled him from the rubble, put him back together. He moves right here beside the church. He's from West Virginia. You can see why we get along so well. He understands me. And he came over one day, and, and we were talking. Showed him around the building maybe 10, 12 years ago. And uh, we sat in the prayer room, and he was telling me a story. Another, another moment, he was... He was uh, uh, in a terrible motorcycle accident and again had to put him back together. I went to see him in the NIC unit and he said, I don't know why God spared me. I said, well, maybe God has something that, that he wants you to do. I hadn't talked to him in a few months and Monday morning I was praying at, my, at, at a chair while I read my Bible in the mornings. And I got on my knees to pray and he came to my mind so I called him. I said, uh, I said, hey, Brandon, I said, uh, I was... Uh, just going to give you a call. I was thinking about you this morning. He said, man. He said, I've been reading my Bible. He said, I've read it the last, last month or two. He said, I've read the Bible through completely. I'm starting it again. He said, I can't believe I haven't been in a word like that. It's been so impacting on my life. Isn't it amazing what the word will do if you spend some time in it? And uh, he said, something that you called. He said, I, I was just talking about dad, about baptism. Come find out it was the night before. He told his dad that his, he said, Dad, you need to get baptized. He said, well, I was saved when I was a boy. He said, but Dad, you need to be baptized. He said, and I'm ashamed to say I've never been baptized. He said, I told my dad I'm going to call the preacher. But the preacher called him first. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that the way the Lord works? Isn't that wonderful? I'm so glad to tell you that Monday morning about 1030, I was able to baptize Brandon and his father John in Jesus' name. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner. I think we all ought to stand and clap our hands and thank God for that miracle.
Amen, amen, amen. Salvation is for us all. And I want everybody that's watching online tonight, everybody in the building to know, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, what you've done. When Jesus calls your name, when he deals with your heart, there's an altar of repentance you can kneel at, whether it's at your couch, amen, in your living room, in the bedroom, or at the church house. You can get on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for everything I've ever done that I shouldn't have done. Oh, God, I know you're dealing with me, and I want you to change my life. Oh, God, you know what? He will change your life. And after that, Acts 2 and 38 says, throw it on the screen. Would you do that? Acts chapter 2, verse 38. This is the first message preached after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's look and see what it says. After he preached about Jesus in Acts 2, they were, look at verse 37. When they heard this, when, now when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What did Simon Peter say to them? Repent. That means turn from your sin. How many have ever sinned in the building? I'm very glad you could turn from that sin. Somebody shout, you can turn away from sin. That's right. He said, he said, repent. That means turn 180 degrees. Somebody told me one time, they said, man, they're doing so great. They did it 360 degrees. That just meant they turned around, went back in the same direction they were in. 180 degrees, they turned around. They're going a new direction now. That's what repentance means. I'm sorry, but it's a change of mind. You know what you do when you say, I don't want to be a sinner anymore? I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to let God turn my life around. I heard somebody say it beautifully one time. You don't just hear a sinner repent. You will see them repent. There's a change. A change of mind. You study the root word of repentance. It means a change of mind. What do you do after you repent? Be baptized. Even Jesus himself, he was not baptized because of sin, but he was baptized as our example to fulfill all righteousness, Matthew 3. How? By submersion. Nobody else was baptized any other way than submersion in the name of Jesus Christ. Study it. Look what it says. Go back. Go, go back one more. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That means to be treated, not just forgiven. Don't listen to some of those translations. It's deeper than just forgiven. It means to be treated as if it never happened. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? He said, Timothy, he said, it won't only save you. It's going to save them that hear you. Hey, who's reaching? How's he going to reach them? Through you. Everybody say, it's going to happen through me. It's not just by you, it's through you. And the Lord is calling us, and I end on this point. COVID-19 has, one thing it has done, it's allowed family time. You can talk about all the negative you want to, but let's find some positive here. It forced distractions to be canceled, families to be together. I don't misinterpret this, but I so enjoyed it. Being home, wasn't traveling as much was home with my wife and children and forced to not be. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about recently. I'm talking about back in March. We couldn't have church for seven weeks. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. But Sister Melik, every sports event canceled. Hobbies canceled. 
everything canceled. To get back what? To what really matters. When I, I've stood at the bedside of many people that took their last breath as a pastor. Not one time ever see them reach for a hobby, car, or home. Every time they want two things, God and family. And if we're not careful, we'll get our eyes on everything outside of our circle that hasn't been put in our circle and not reach for what has been put in our circle. God has put people in your circle. Timothy, till I come, please understand something. There's a circle that you're supposed to be reaching. There's friends in your life that, you're, that, that God has, has brought you together for more than just you being saved. There's, he's got something for them. I'm so glad that God put Brandon in my life. Who's God put in your life? Who's God put in your circle? Because we can't reach like we used to. But is it possible God wants us to reach people that we've been overlooking for a long time? We're talking about reaching the world at 3,000 miles, 30,000 miles, but we don't reach people at three feet. Why don't we start opening our eyes tonight and realize there's a co-worker that God's put in my, on the shift that I'm on. There's a student near me. There's, a, there, there's, there's, there's somebody near me. There's, there's a family member that's now, now in my life that's closer than before. Is it possible that God wants me to reach them? Yes. How am I going to do it? I'm going to stay in His Word. I'm going to stay on my knees. And God's going to allow this to happen. Do you believe God is reaching us with truth? Do you believe God wants us to reach our circle? Lift your hands if you would and tell the Lord, I, I want to reach my circle. Oh, God of heaven. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, help me tonight. Won't we sit at our seats and pray? Why don't we sit at our seats for a moment and pray? Why don't you do that? Sit right where you are and tell the Lord, I... <laughs> I don't want to miss an opportunity with somebody. Oh God, it might be a 10 or 12 year friendship, but they come to the Lord. God, if you can use anything, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're watching online right now, I want you to tell the Lord, I want to be right. If you want to be baptized, you can contact the church, we'll do it. You want to be repent, you can do that right now. In your living room, God, I don't want to be lost. Hallelujah. God. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.